Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Zach Christensen, who is publisher of Spectator USA and formerly CEO of a data analytics company called CrowdScout. And we're going to be discussing Trump's war chest for 2020. Now, Zach, I'd like to talk about the news today that uh, Trump in the first quarter of 2019 has raised over $30 million for his 2020 campaign. This is, to me, a staggering sum of money, particularly after all we've been hearing about how much various Democratic candidates are raising. What do you think it says about Trump's campaign and his chances for 2020? Well, I can tell you, I, I think right away that uh, what it says about his campaign is that they take digital very seriously. You know, they, they put their former digital director uh, in charge of the entire campaign. And I think what we're seeing is, you know, a payoff of that strategy of going all in on digital. Um, obviously, the, the Trump campaign focuses very heavily on, on using Facebook for fundraising. They have a great email operation. They're using things like text messaging now to raise dollars. So they've really kind of gone, uh, you know, really all in on this small dollar donor strategy, which I think is really, really paying off for them. And what we also, what we also see in it, just from knowing, knowing what they're doing, is that they really haven't even put into place their, their full high dollar fundraising apparatus yet either, or any of their bundling program, um, which sort of gets those those middle dollars in. And so so everything we're seeing right now, I think, is, is a testament to like how all in on digital they are and how all in they are on, on using things like analytics and, and different social media platforms. This is not something we usually associate with the Republican Party. I mean, for a long time, or since Obama, really, the Democratic Party have been way ahead in terms of digital fundraising and online donations. That's true. And I think on the Democratic side of the aisle, you've seen actually, I think, some pretty big numbers. You know, Bernie Sanders is putting up huge numbers. I think uh, he raised $18 million. Mayor Pete threw up really huge numbers, which is pretty incredible. And also, you also have to look, I think, at, you know, in terms of the, how fundraising is going for these different campaigns, um, how the burn rate for these campaigns look as well. And you have... Sorry, Zach, explain what, explain what you mean by burn rate for our, our non-experts these, like me. All of these political campaigns, they spend a lot of money in order to raise the money. So you might see a campaign, you know, if a campaign raises $20 million, but they spent $18 million on fundraising costs, that's actually a very bad, a very poor burn rate. It's Maybe it's not a poor burn rate because there's a lot of, there's a lot of upfront investment that is made to uh, raise money online. You have to spend money on advertisements in order to acquire a new donor. So it might, it might cost, for instance, $50 in advertising costs to sign up one new donor. And that one new donor might at first only pay, you know, only donate, you know, 10, 15, $20. But the, but the, the goal is is that you sign up these low, low dollar donors and you you, know, you pay a, a little you pay upfront costs in order to sign up those donors and then over the long term those small dollar donors are going to end up donating maybe 100 150 200 so you have to look at the burn rates of these campaigns and how much they're actually spending in order to raise the amounts that they're raising so for instance i saw this morning that mayor pete's burn rate is, is about 10 percent. it's incredibly low and so they're raising a lot of money and not having to spend a lot of money to raise those dollars and that's from just free publicity, which, interestingly, the, the Trump campaign, having always been associated since 2016, everybody's associated Trump with all this amazing free publicity. It's usually very negative free publicity, but it works for him. It's actually it's the under the radar campaign at the moment because all the mainstream media attention is on Bernie and Kamala Harris and Beto Rourke and, and now Mayor Pete. 
Certainly. And, and I think that that's that's certainly true. You know, there, there's a lot of attention right now to some of these Democratic campaigns, especially, you know, Mayor Pete's kind of blowing up right now. But, you know, I, I think the the Trump campaign probably re- they realize that, but they're you can see that they're they're really focused and committed to to raising the you know these 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 amounts and so you can see I think in the in the first quarter of 2019 they spent uh, between seven and eight million dollars uh, just advertising on social media platforms so they're really you know they're they're taking advantage I think of they're they're taking advantage of sort of this lull uh, in media to really build up their war chest and be ready to go which is I think again as you mentioned when we started this is is, is something that we've never seen. Uh, a presidential campaign do before. They're also spending a lot. They're spending a lot on on building out the infrastructure. You know, they they wasted no time um, in getting ready for 2020. You know, almost immediately after Trump was elected um, in 2016, they immediately started building up their infrastructure, spending lots of money to do that. So building out their data infrastructure, building out, you know, building up their fundraising lists and making sure that that uh, that they're ready to go. So they, they've wasted no time um, in raising this money. And and uh, you're really seeing it pay off right now with uh, with the dollars uh, that they're raising. And this slightly puts paid to the idea that you still often hear that Trump may not be up for even running again or that he's not really committed, his heart's not really in it. I mean, certainly his campaign is... I don't think any presidential incumbent candidate, as he is, has been in such a strong financial position before a presidential run. Is that that's that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't have the numbers handy, but you know, up until this point in uh, Obama's re-election campaign, he had raised you know a fr- like a, a fraction. I mean, single digit millions of dollars uh, for his re-election. Same thing with Bush. So yeah. nobody has really uh, nobody has really put up um, nobody's really attempted to do anything like this. You know, most most presidential campaign uh, re-election campaigns don't really get started or even declared until after the midterms. So at this point, you know, in this point in uh, you know for for the Bush re-elect or the Obama re-elect, both of those campaigns were really just getting up and running. Whereas again, the the, the Trump campaign really never stopped, uh, especially with what they're doing. You know, using digital tools and and, and social platforms and text messaging and and things like that. And let's talk more broadly about how fundraising has changed in presidential politics, because uh, historically, candidates would probably want to be quite discreet about how much money they, they'd raise because they would come from large donors. And now, as we saw with the Trump campaign today, uh, candidates are very, very keen to stress how much they've raised because they, they will then say, and ninety in, in Trump's case, 99% of it is from donors under $200. So it's all it's a way of showing your popularity. It's almost a way of polling now, isn't it? It's yeah, definitely. I mean, it, campaigns want to stress, you know, the, the and, and show the grassroots support that they have. I mean, especially as online fundraising um, has become, you know, especially for, for for many Democrats, the de facto way to to raise money for campaigns. It is. It's 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 a show of support. And 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 one of the ways that Democrats are showing that is that you know they have this new threshold for how to make the debate stage. And one of the thresholds is how many individual donors that you have to your campaign. Uh, the number is 65,000. So if you have 65,000 donors to your campaign, uh, most of these are coming from online, that's a show of support within the party. So even, even the parties themselves are using these numbers uh, to show um, a level of support and grassroots and, you know, broad uh, grassroots support amongst the campaigns. And, you know, it, 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 when you read articles and, and, and things like that, the, the numbers that the campaigns are touting, they really want to show uh, this broad base of support, show the number of, of donors they have. And really, it's sort of bragging rights to see uh, what the average donation is and how low your, your average uh, dollar amount donation is. 
and and that's for a few reasons. One, you want to show um, that you have, you know, you want to show that you have the support of sort of the the, the common man, I guess. Um, you know, the the people that are spending uh, the least, uh, who have the least amount to donate, are supporting your candidacy. But it's also very important too because there are limits on what uh, what what a person can donate. And so the lower your average donation is now means that your audience, it means that your base of grassroots support has the most giving power in the future. So if you have if you have a campaign and your average donation right now is a, is $150 or, or something like that, it means that actually uh, most of your campaign are giving bigger amounts so that so as you go forward, those people can't can't give as much as people who maybe are giving average donation of $30. So it's also a show of support of maybe the longevity that you might have uh, in a campaign. And how much are the big donors you know we know that uh, michael bloomberg has got this 500 million dollar war chest that he wants to deploy against trump in some way and he he probably hasn't decided exactly how he's going to spend it how much are they looking at you know where the small donations are going in order to judge where they should put their larger donations yeah well so you know the the large donors on both sides of the aisle you know i think that they're not really necessarily doing much right now i mean obviously uh the, the the large uh, super PACs on the right are are, are going to be supporting in Trump in some, in one way or another, and on the left, you know, I, I think my sense is that most of the large super PACs that are sort of unaffiliated right now um, are there's no point in spending money, especially if you're an unaffiliated super PAC on anything going on right now. Um, you're going to wait until you know it, it looks like there's a nominee selected and start to line up behind them. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of different super PACs doing a lot of different interesting things this year. Um, you know. Mo- Historically, super PACs have really been focused on buying television time uh, and running advertisements. And I think over the, you know, what we've seen over the last course of the the last campaign and really every campaign before that, organizing is so important. And I think you're going to see a lot of super PACs start to get involved in organizing on both sides of the aisle. Um, And when I say organizing, I mean actual sort of boots on the ground, knocking on doors, making phone calls, and actually doing the grassroots work that a lot of uh, camp, it used to fall to the campaigns and um, the political parties, both the Democratic, uh, the DNC and the RNC. But uh, you're starting to see a lot more of the super PACs and the 501c4 groups start to get involved in in that grassroots organizing. And you also have quite an interesting thing that happens with, you know, I'd say, let's call it democratic mainstream media, which is, you know, the dominant voice in America in many ways. When Obama won using, you know, various Facebook tricks and and digital tactics that were revolutionary at the time, they talked about sort of harnessing people power and they talked about in evangelical terms. And then, of course, when Trump did the same thing to them, it became that he'd hacked democracy. Uh, Do you think we'll see a similar thing at play depending on the result? next time oh certainly what trump was what the trump campaign themselves were were doing was pretty standard politics um, pretty standard digital organizing but uh but what they did is that they they figured out things they figured out how to utilize facebook in a way that it hadn't been utilized yet and so a lot of people got really worried about that but you know there wasn't i don't think that there was a a similar outcry when uh the obama campaign was using um a lot of these tools and tricks and tactics and and frankly you know i think a lot of the a lot of the uh the data that the obama campaign had access to was uh was the same stuff that cambridge analytica was being accused of using and obviously far less outcry so Certainly, although, I think, although like, we should be we should be corrected. I think what's what's true. You know this more than me because I think you first told me about it. Is that they would Facebook had changed its terms of service, right? 
Right. So Facebook that, had, exactly. Facebook had changed its terms of service. When when the Obama campaign was doing it, it was still uh, a legit thing that you could do um, on Facebook. Uh, Cambridge Analytica had scraped data, which is not okay. Um, so they they certainly did something wrong, in, you know, in terms of Facebook's terms of service. But in terms of you know the data that was being used, it's it's you know not much different than than what the Obama campaign was doing. But I think this cycle around, you're going to see kind of going really all in on some of the tactics that the Trump campaign was using. And I think you'll see a lot more adoption um, across uh, the entire the entirety of the of the political apparatus. And and a figure not to be overlooked in this is, of course, Brad Pascali, who you mentioned at the beginning, though, though not by name. And he's actually in charge of the whole campaign. But he is really the uh, mastermind, might be putting it a bit strongly, but he is in many ways the mastermind of Trump's digital success in 2016. And now he is in charge of the whole campaign, it seems. Well, I, I think that, you know, putting Brad Pascal, you know, in charge of the entire campaign, again, is, is a testament to the, the campaign's real de- dedication to digital, right? And you really haven't seen that level of dedication, uh, that level of, I guess, trust in how important digital is uh, to a campaign yet from from anyone uh, up until now. I mean, it's pretty pretty uh, remarkable to watch somebody from the digital world being elevated to run the entire campaign. And I think that you know, we we obviously all know that Trump is a is a huge fan of Twitter. He's a huge fan of how you can disseminate your message uh, digitally. And I think you know, putting Perscale in charge of the entire campaign shows that they're going to really really be focused on on digital uh, for getting their message out and for organizing organizing voters. And so is that how are you feeling generally about how this race is going to go? I, I mean, it seems to me that Trump is in a bigger position than the bookmakers and the polls suggest because of this ability to generate quite large sums of money and what that says about his the nature of his actual base. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think it's tough to say. During the 2016 campaign, Trump was vastly outspent by by the Clinton campaign. Um, the, you know, the Clinton, I think the Clinton campaign raised almost double the Trump campaign raised. So, you know, money isn't necessarily um, an indicator of how, how an election is going to go. That being said, you're right. You know, the wide base of support that Trump has from grassroots supporters, I think, is sometimes overlooked. You know, I think that if you watch and, and read media reports, it's as if, you know, it's as if the, the entire country is sort of against Trump. But really, you know, if you look at if you look at the numbers and you look at a lot of the polling, especially in what uh, some might call flyover country, you know, in, in the Midwest and in, in the plains and out west, um, I think he has a huge broad base of support. And, and especially in, in the states that matters and amongst the voters that Democrats are going to be trying to go after. I, I think his fundraising numbers really show a huge uh, broad base of support that people might be underestimating. Thanks very much, Zach. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer and we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. (laughs) 